You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. The dictionary defines the word authority as this. It's the power or right to give orders and make decisions. It's the the power or right to give orders and make decisions. That's the dictionary definition for the word authority. Um, There's a couple of of layers to that definition that I want to point out. Uh, First, authority involves power. Uh, For example, when you think about a king, uh, a king without an army Uh, will not be much of a king. Uh, He can give orders and he can make decisions, but without that power and that backing of his army, uh, he has no way to enforce those decisions. But also, authority is more than just a show of strength. Uh, A king without an army has no real authority, but neither does an army without a king. Uh, Without a king to give those orders and make decisions, uh, an army has no rules to enforce. Uh, So so genuine authority, by necessity, will will be a combination of of both of those elements. The the power to enforce a decision, uh, but also the ability to to make that decision in the first place. Uh, In our text today... We're going to look at the start of Jesus's ministry, um, and and we're going to see that that ultimately Christ himself really is the the definition of authority. When, When he teaches in the synagogues, he is a studied scholar. Uh, And when he casts out the forces of darkness, uh, he is a seasoned soldier. Uh, Through these verses that we're going to study today, you'll you'll see that Christ, uh, who who is the author of all of creation, um, has stepped into creation and all are going to be in awe of his authority. Uh, and I want you and I to be in awe of this authority today. Uh, so we're going to look at three ways that Jesus displayed his authority in these verses. You, you'll see his authority displayed through his ability to teach, uh, his ability to heal, uh, and his ability to save. Uh, and, and as we study this text, um, I hope that, that you and I uh, will, will see how we should respond in awe to each of these displays of his authority. Uh, so let me read our text, uh, Mark chapter 1, I'm going to look at verses 21 through 34. Uh, and they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out 
What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Now that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So first, let's look at Jesus's ability and his authority to teach. Uh, At at the start of our text, uh, we find Jesus beginning his earthly ministry uh, in the city of Capernaum. Now, over the the next three years, this city will be kind of a a central headquarters for Jesus. Uh, Many of his most notable miracles uh, will be uh, performed in and around this city. Uh, Capernaum was a a prominent fishing village on the kind of the northwest banks of the Sea of Galilee. Um, It was the hometown of many of Jesus's disciples, uh, and it was a crossroads of trade that allowed Jesus to interact with people uh, traveling through for business and people really from all walks of life. So Jesus starts his ministry in Capernaum. Uh, And he's invited to teach at a local synagogue. Uh, This was a uh, common practice uh, in this day and age to invite traveling teachers and rabbis to come as guest speakers. Uh, And and even though we're we're given no indication that Jesus had any formal uh, training or education as a rabbi, uh, he, he is clearly, at this point, already very well known for his teaching because he is invited by the elders to come and speak. Uh, they, not just anyone was given permission to come and teach at the synagogue. Uh, and, and in a moment, uh, we're going to look at the, the story of the, the exorcism that will take place while Jesus is teaching in the synagogue uh, but, but I'm going to save those details of that event, uh, and I'm going to talk about them when we talk about Jesus's authority to heal, uh, because before the people were amazed by his ability to cast out a demon, first you'll see that these men and women were, were already astonished by his ability to teach. 
Uh, we, we often uh, look at the, the, the story of this exorcism and, and we forget about the fact that even before he was casting out demons, the people were already astounded uh, just by his ability to teach. Uh, let me read verses 21 and, and 22 again. It says that immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So, so back in, in this period, uh, scribes did more than simply make copies of scrolls. Uh, they were legal experts in religious law. Uh, there were two sets of laws that they studied, uh, both the written Mosaic law, uh, as well as the established oral tradition uh, that had been passed down from various scholars and rabbis. Uh, and the scribes in Jesus's day uh, were particularly well-versed in these oral traditions, these extra laws uh, they, that weren't in the Old Testament. Uh, they weren't ever uh, commanded by Moses, uh, but, but they were intended at least to, to um, address and give uh, guidance in, in matters of, of kind of gray area uh, that the Mosaic law didn't explicitly address. Uh, they also helped to act as kind of a protective barrier uh, to ensure you, you didn't break the Mosaic commandments. Uh, for example, the Old Testament forbade any work on the Sabbath, uh, but it's the oral tradition that laid out the exact number of steps uh, that you were allowed to walk before that constituted as work. So these scribes who often taught in these synagogues were uh, experts in this oral tradition. And you might, as you might imagine, uh, that means that they have kind of a, a very unique way of teaching. Uh, most of what they said uh, basically just constituted, uh, it just consisted of, of quoting all of these long lines of traditions uh, and all of these other famous scribes and legal experts. Um, that's really all they did uh, is, is they could quote for you uh, what, what all of these other scribes and legal experts said um, about this oral tradition. Uh, and so when Jesus comes in to this synagogue to teach, uh, those present are astonished by his teaching because it is so different than these scribes. The, the source of authority for the scribes was other scribes and teachers of the law, but Jesus taught not as one whose authority came from somewhere else, but as one who himself was in authority. He, he doesn't need to quote the experts. He is the author of creation. Uh, he, he has no one to quote but himself because the word of God are his words. And so those present were in awe of his teaching, just as you and I should be today. This passage shows 
that, that Jesus didn't just come as a moral teacher to speak about the world. Uh, he, he came as the very creator of the world, which means that, that you cannot accept his teachings without also submitting to his authority. Uh, the, the two go hand in hand. Uh, this is the God who, who literally spoke the universe into existence. This is the God who, when he speaks, the dead are raised back to life. And that means that, that Jesus must be more than a moral teacher. He, he must be more than some kind of wise sage. When those in the synagogue heard him, they, they recognized the authority of his teachings, and, and they were astonished. And, and when you and I hear him speak through his word today, we should recognize that authority and be astonished as well. And, and you should not only hear what he has to teach us, uh, but we should also submit to that teaching uh, b- because God's word is authoritative. Uh, it, it is not given to you as advice. The, these words are decrees from the king. So, so first we see that, that Jesus' authority uh, we, we see his authority displayed through his ability to teach. Um, secondly, though, we also see his ability and his authority to heal. Um, to do this, to see this, I, I'm going to actually combine um, two of these stories in our text, uh, kind of into to one. We're going to look at them together. Uh, we're going to look at the exorcism that Jesus performed in the synagogue Um, and the miracle that took place in the house of Simon's uh, mother-in-law just after that exorcism. Uh, And I'm going to do that because both of these these stories um, depict Jesus's ability to heal. Uh, One is spiritual healing as Jesus casts out this unclean spirit Uh, And the other is physical healing as Jesus cures a member of Simon's family uh, from a fever. But but both stories show Jesus's authority to heal. So so first, let's look about uh, let's look at this exorcism uh, that brought about spiritual healing. Um, Starting back there in verse 23, uh, you read that immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, there are four exorcisms recorded in the book of Mark. Uh, and all of which have a very similar pattern to them. Uh, Consistently, it's actually the demons who are the first to recognize Jesus's divinity. 
Mark doesn't actually record any human acknowledging Jesus as the son of God until his crucifixion. But the demons consistently are always quick to call him by uh, divine titles. Here, the unclean spirit calls him the Holy One of God. So he's quick to recognize who Jesus is, uh, and he's also quick to understand that Jesus' presence means his destruction. Verse 24, the demon says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now, it's interesting because it's only a single spirit inside this man, uh, but the demon is speaking collectively uh, in the form of the the royal we uh, because he knows that Jesus's arrival doesn't just mean destruction for him, it will eventually mean the collective destruction of all of the forces of Satan. Uh, and this passage is a stark reminder of how unaware you and I often are as humans. Uh, all too often, we, we are both unaware uh, of our need to be healed Uh, and of Jesus's ability to bring healing. Uh, First, we're often so completely unaware uh, of of our dire need to be healed. Um, Often, we, we don't even recognize the surrounding presence of darkness, which holds this world captive. Uh, you, you see in these verses, uh, even the devil goes to church. Uh, the, the powers of darkness are, are setting quietly next to everyone uh, gathered in that synagogue. Uh, and, and no one knew it until Jesus confronted it. Uh, and, and that means that, that our church is not a safe haven from this world Uh, Spiritual warfare doesn't end just because you've walked through the doors of the sanctuary and you've sat in a pew. Uh, Even if you're unaware of it, there there is a continued war waging all around you for your soul and for the souls of others. So so if we're unaware, so we're we're often unaware of of our need to be healed, uh, but, but we're also often equally unaware of Jesus's ability to bring healing to our souls. Verse 25, Jesus commands the spirit saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out uh, in a loud voice came out of him and they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. So so Jesus healed this man by silencing this demon and forcing him to leave. Uh, But but so often uh, we are the ones who remain silent uh, and, and we are not healed from sin and spiritual afflictions uh, because 
we choose not to cry out to Christ. This is really the, the greatest tactic of the enemy. More often than not, uh, he, he doesn't seek to make you deny Christ. Uh, he, he much prefers to distract you from Christ. But by luring your attention away, uh, Satan can silence you, making you unaware of Jesus's power and ability to silence Satan. Satan will sneak into our midst. Uh, he will set in our pews. He will diminish our awareness of sin so he can then diminish your desire for a savior to save you from that sin. Uh, he'll make you unaware of just how spiritually sick the world really is uh, so he can make you forget how desperately you need Christ as your physician. So, so we see that, that Jesus, he, he casts out this demon uh, and spiritually heals this man. Um, now look at, at verses 29 through 31, and we'll, we'll see him bring physical healing to a member of Simon's uh, family. Mark writes that Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Uh, now, Simon's mother-in-law uh, lay ill with a fever, and immediately they, took, they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Now, this is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus physically heals someone. Um, and as we progress further through the gospel, uh, we'll have the opportunity to talk more about the significance of some of these healing miracles. Um, but, but from this particular story, I, I simply just want to highlight how this healing points to hope. How this healing can point to hope. Jesus healed because he was a kind and compassionate God, but also because he knew that this physical healing would point others to a greater spiritual hope that is found in the gospel. Simon saw Jesus's authority to cast out this demon. So when they left the synagogue, he immediately wanted to take Jesus to his mother-in-law because he knew that if, if he helped this man, he'd be able to help her too. Uh, we're, we're not really told what kind of illness this woman faced, uh, but clearly it was severe. Uh, so as soon as Jesus is made aware of this illness and her fever, uh, he goes uh, and it says that, that he took her by the hand and lifted her up. Now, that uh, Greek verb there that Mark uses uh, to lift up, uh, that's actually the, the same verb that Mark is going to use at the end of his book in chapter 16 uh, when he speaks of Jesus's own resurrection. Uh, it's the same word. Jesus himself will be lifted up 
and he will be raised up from the grave. So, so even through this seemingly small act of compassion, what, what you see here is a foreshadowing of what Jesus came to accomplish on the cross. Uh, through this act of healing, uh, you, you get a glimpse of hope that will come through the gospel. The, the author of creation came into this world with all authority to heal both spiritually and physically. Uh, and, and you and I ought to be in awe of that authority because of the hope that healing can offer, both in this life and in the next, both physically and spiritually. So we, we've seen uh, Jesus's authority and his ability to teach uh, and uh, his ability to heal. Uh, finally, let's see his authority and his ability to save. Uh, look there at verses 32 through 34. Uh, Mark writes that Evening, uh, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. There, there's a, a flow or, or general progression of the events in this text. Uh, Jesus taught in the synagogue, and those present were astonished. Uh, he cast out a demon, and he healed Simon's mother-in-law, and the people were amazed. Uh, and now, as a result of his teaching and his healing, we arrive to verse 33, which says that the whole city has now gathered together at Jesus's door. Uh, people caught a glimpse of Jesus's power and authority, and they rushed off to tell everyone they knew, and they brought them all back to Jesus. So now you have the entire city standing at his door, crowded around. Uh, and, and no doubt that there, there were some in this crowd uh, who, who came just because Jesus was a novelty. Uh, he's just a curiosity or a, a form of amusement. Uh, no doubt that there were those that, that came in this crowd who, who just saw Jesus as a means to an end. Uh, they, they just wanted to manipulate Jesus to, to see what he could do for them. Uh, but, but no doubt there were also those who arrived because they'd seen Jesus's authority on display and they knew that if anyone could heal them from their sickness and oppression and sin, it was Jesus. They, they, they may not fully understand who Jesus is or what he came to do. Uh, they, they might not be able to 
uh, properly articulate the doctrine of the Trinity or explain uh, how Jesus could simultaneously be both fully God and fully man, but they have seen enough of his authority to know that they needed to drop everything they were doing. Um, They needed to grab everybody that they knew, and they needed to immediately rush to Jesus's door because if anyone could hear their pleas and save them, it was Christ. Now, that's what happens when you more fully see and become aware of the authority of Jesus. You begin to realize that he is more than just a teacher. He is more than just a healer. He is a savior. And and you don't just acknowledge his authority. Uh, You respond to that authority by rushing to his door and inviting everyone in the city around you to come and gather with you. Even if you still have trouble wrapping your mind around all of the complexities of who God is, Uh, Even if this side of heaven, you'll never be able to fully comprehend all of the the details of the the plan that he has for your life. Uh, Through his word, through the gospels, through the life of Jesus, you have still seen enough of his authority on display to be in awe and to know that if anyone can save you from your sin, it is Jesus. So I I began this morning uh, by giving you the the definition of authority. Um, I said that it is the power or the the right to give orders and to make decisions. Um, And as we've studied this passage, I I hope you've come to see that that Jesus himself actually is the, the real definition of authority. Uh, Because he's the author of creation, he has all power and he has been given the right to make uh, every decision, to give every order concerning all of creation. Uh, You've seen that through his authority to teach, his authority to heal, uh, and his authority to save. But, but let me finish this morning uh, with a brief warning. Uh, as you think about what it means to be in awe of Jesus's authority, uh, remember that he must either have complete authority or you've given him no authority at all. Uh, if, if there is any area of your life where you don't submit to his authority, then you're still the one actually trying to be in charge. When you let Jesus have control over only certain areas of your life, you haven't actually given him control over any area because you're still trying to be that final arbitrator deciding when and how and what parts of your life that you'll give over to Christ. But, but as you study the Gospels, 
uh, and you see more clearly who Jesus is, uh, and, and you recognize that the universe is upheld by his very power, and that nothing in your life happens outside of his control, you'll come to be in awe of his authority more and more. And you'll read what he taught and you'll be astounded and you'll see how he healed and you'll be amazed. And you won't just give Jesus partial control of your life. You'll give him full and complete control because you know that he deserves nothing less. So let me pray.